Chapter Seventeen of the Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. The Life and Adventures of Peter Wilkins, by Robert Paltick, Chapter Seventeen. Uworki and I, having no other company than one another's, we talked together almost from morn to night, in order to learn each other's dialect. But how compliable soever she was in all other respects, I could not persuade her to go out with me to fetch water, or to the lake in the daytime. It being now the light season, I wanted her to be more abroad, but she excused herself telling me her people never came into those luminous parts of the country during the false glare as they called it but kept altogether at home where their light was more moderate and steadier and that the place where i resided was not frequented by them for half the year and at other times only upon parties of pleasure it not being worth while to settle habitations where they could not abide always she said Normsgrut was the finest region in the world where her king's court was and a vast kingdom i asked her twice or thrice more to name the country to me but not all the art we could use hers in dictating and mine in endeavouring to pronounce it would render me conqueror of that her monosyllable for as such it sounded from her sweet lips so i relinquished the name to her telling her whenever she had any more occasion to mention the place i desired it might be under the style of dorpt swangianti footnote the land of light end footnote which she promised but wondered as she could speak the other so glibly as she called it i could not do so too I told her that the light of my native country was far stronger than any I had seen since my arrival at Grandevelet, for that, I found by her, was the name my dominions went by, and that we had a sun, or ball of fire, which rolled over our heads every day with such a light and such a heat that it would sometimes almost scorch one, it was so hot and was of such brightness that the eye could not look at it without danger of blindness she was heartily glad she said she was not born in so wretched a land and she did not believe there was any other so good as her own i thought no benefit could arise from my combating these innocent prejudices so i let them alone she had often lamented to me the difference of our eyesight and the trouble it was to her that she could not at all times go about with me till it gave me a good deal of uneasiness to see her concern at last i told her that though i believed it would be impossible to reduce my sight to the standard of hers yet i was persuaded i could bring hers to bear the strongest light i had ever seen in this country she was mightily pleased with the thought of that and said she wished i might for she was sensible of no grief like being obliged to stay at home when i went abroad on my business and was resolved to try my experiment if i pleased and in the meantime should heartily pray for the success i hit on the following invention 
I rummaged over all my old things and, by good luck, found an old crepe hat band. This I tried myself, single, before my own eyes, in the strongest light we had. But believing I had not yet obscured it enough, I doubled it, and then thought it might do. But for fear it should not, I troubled it, and then it seemed too dark for eyes like mine to discover objects through it and so I judged it would suit hers, for I was determined to produce something, if possible, that would do at first without repetition of trial, which I thought would only deject her more by making her look on the matter as impracticable. I now only wanted a proper method for fixing it on her, and this I thought would be easily effected, but had much more difficulty in it than I imagined. At first I proposed to tie the crepe over her eyes, but trying it myself I found it very rough and fretting. I then designed fixing it to an old crown of a hat that held my fish hooks and lines, and so let it hang down before her face. But that also had its inconveniences, as it would slap her eyes in windy weather, and would be not only useless but very troublesome in flight so that I was scarce ever more puzzled before. At last I thought of a method that answered exceedingly well, the hint of which I took from somewhat I had seen with my master when I was at school, which he called goggles, and which he used to tie round his head, to screen his eyes in writing. The thing I made upon that plan was composed of old hat, pieces of ram's horn, and the above-mentioned crepe, when i had finished the whole apparatus i tried it first upon myself and finding great reason to believe it would perfectly answer the intention i ran directly to yorkie come says i my dear will you go with me to the water rill for i must fetch some this morning she shook her head and with tears in her eyes wished she could but says she let me see how light it is abroad. No, says I. My love, you must not look out till you go. Indeed, says she, if it did not affect my eyes and head, you should not ask me twice. Well, says I, my Yorkie, I am now come to take you with me, and that you may not suffer by it, turn about, and let me apply the remedy I told you of for your sight. She wanted much to see first what it was, but I begged her to forbear till she tried whether it would be useful or not. She told me she would absolutely submit to my direction, so I adjusted the thing to her head. Now, says I, you have it on. Let us go out and try it, and let me know the moment you find the light offensive, and take particular notice how you are affected. Hereupon away we marched and I heard no complaint in all our walk to the lake. Now, my dear Yorkie, says I, when we got there, what do you think of my contrivance? Can you see it all? Yes, very well, says she. But, my dear Peter, you have taken the advantage of the twilight, I know, to deceive me, and I had rather have stayed at home than have subjected you to return in the night for the sake of my company. I then assured her it was midday, and no later, which pleased her mightily. And, to satisfy her, I untied the string behind, 
and just let her be convinced it was so. When I had fixed the shade on her head again, she put up her hands and felt the several materials of which it consisted, and after expressing her admiration of it, So, my dear Peter, says she, you have now encumbered yourself with a wife indeed, for since I can come abroad in a glaring light with so much ease, you will never henceforward be without my company. Yorkey being thus in spirits, we launched the boat, watered, took a draught of fish, and returned. Passing the night at home, in talking of the spectacles, for that was the name I told her they must go by, and of the fishing, for that exercise delighted her to a great degree. But above all, the spectacles were her chief theme. She handled them and looked at them again and again, and asked several rational questions about them, as how they could have that effect on her eyes, enabling her to see and the like. She ventured out with them next day by herself, and, as she threatened, was as good as her word, for she scarcely afterwards let me go abroad by myself, but accompanied me everywhere freely and with delight. End of chapter 17 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista